And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to another episode of All the Above, the show that gives you an unstandardized take on education. I'm Jeffrey Garrett, one of your co-hosts, and I have been a high school social studies teacher, a middle and high school principal, and now coach principals here in the Los Angeles area. And as always, I am joined by Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. Now I'm a high school history teacher. This is my 15th year and counting. And this is All of the Above, a show where we take a look at issues and, and headlines in education because it's not really talked about that much in our mainstream media. Fake news, fake news, your organization's terrible. Yes, we know, Jeff. We Believe know. me. We know. So uh, to our returning viewers, uh, good to see you again. If you are new to our show, um, look at the About section and you'll see links to all of our um, sites and our podcast versions and all that so you can listen on the go. Jeff, what's on the agenda today? Well, Manuel, as usual, we've got a good one for you. Um, and I have to say, uh, one of the things I really love about our show is that we get to talk about issues that you're not going to hear about anywhere else, right? Um, we have for today's seminar, part two of our discussion with students. Uh, so the great Nadia El-Hawari is back facilitating a conversation with students about um, their feelings about the pressures and issues surrounding uh, the, the college process, right? And students thinking about going to a two-year college versus a four-year college and what it's like to grow up in a day and age where uh, attending college is more important than ever, uh, both socially and economically for, for one's opportunity and, and life outcomes. So a uh, great chance to get some, some valuable perspective from young people themselves. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to stay tuned and check that out. Absolutely. But first we have our do now, which is when we take a look at recent headlines in education. Okay, now it's time for today's Do Now, where we take a look at recent headlines in education. Jeff, how are we doing the Do Now today? Well, man, well, I'm excited because today we have a lexicon. You know, reading okay. reading is fundamental. We're going to dig into some key terms. Indeed, up that vocabulary. That's right. Literacy, folks. Yeah, so what's the first term? First term today, Manuel, is shotgun. Shotgun. So you, I know that. You you call shotgun when you want the passenger seat, when you're like, you know, with your friends and yeah. just left McDonald's. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, except no, not not that type of shotgun. Uh, this type of shotgun might be, might be what you learn to uh, shoot safely if you are a seventh or eighth grader in two uh, rural districts in northeastern Iowa. So the uh, the North Butler and Clarksville districts um, recently uh, passed a requirement for mandatory hunter and firearm safety course that's going to be taught um, through PE classes for all 7th and 8th graders in the district. Hmm. Now, parents do have the option to opt their child out, but um, interesting, uh, in this day and age and political climate, that we would see this type of policy being passed. What do you think, Manuel? Yeah, it's just really um, a surprising story. I mean, my first reaction is like firearm safety in school, in PE, no less. And PE yeah. just seems to be like the dumping ground where you, you know, teach all sorts of things that aren't actually physical education related. I remember learning how to square dance in PE. Um, so my first reaction was, wow, that's that's really strange. And, um, yeah. you know, gun safety, I, I get it. You know, there's, you know, statistics show when, you know, young people encounter guns in the household, bad things happen because they don't really know how guns operate. And, you know, teaching gun safety is is 
definitely makes sense. But, you know, this is uh, one of those story of, stories of like two Americas, like this is a rural area. I can't really see this happening in like a, a urban district like, you know, L.A. or New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there is a part of me that wants to like give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like you said, rural districts, uh, you know, these could be areas where. Uh, first of all, there might just be a lot more uh, firearms around that are used uh, uh, for hunting or for sports or even to, you know, provide food for the family or for, as part of economic activity. So, um, you know, that's possible. And the idea that we're talking about firearm safety, like I'm in favor of people being equipped to be safe, right, right. in general uh, in life. On the other hand, it just feels a little bit like a, a suspicious end around to get to this sort of like, let's bring the NRA into the schools and, and like, you know, propagate guns and gun culture. Um, and the mandate behind this in the schools just makes it political, I think, in a way that um, that raises some some question marks for me. Um, now, the North Butler superintendent, who's a guy named Joel Foster, um, he told a local news outlet that the classes are geared towards teaching students how to, quote, use weapons responsibly, how to respect them and understand it's not a video game and those sorts of things. And that maybe we'll cut down on our chances of having a severe incident. So, you know, possibly there's righteous motivation here, but I, I tell you, it's still just triggering to me in, in, in some way. What, what do you think? Triggering, um, apt choice of words there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is, it, it seems like it might be tiptoeing in the direction of normalizing the idea of guns at schools, um, which is uh, very political. And people talk about not being political in schools. Schools should be neutral environments, but this is, I think, on the surface, a very political move inviting uh, gun safety courses onto, onto campus. But this also, uh, made me think about a group in Chicago, uh, Ujima Medics, which is a grassroots collective that trains students, you know, trains young people how to be first responders for uh, gunshot victims because a lot of times, by the time the ambulance arrives, it's too late for somebody. So this is a group that goes out and volunteers and trains people on how to react when uh, somebody has been shot and how to give you know, uh, first aid to that person. Um, two Americas, two Americas, you know, yeah. um, learning how to deal with gunshot wounds and on the other hand, learning, you know, gun firearm safety because, you know, maybe firearms are a normalized part of, of the rural hunting culture there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, yeah. I, I'll be curious to see what, you know, develops, how many parents do choose to opt out. Right. That sort of thing. All right. Yeah. All right, Manuel. What's our next term for today's lexicon? All right, Jeff. Next term is whooping. Hmm. Whooping like, uh, you know, like back in the olden days, you know, you get out of line and, uh, you know, go out back, choose a switch, you get a good whooping. Not that we're condoning child abuse. Yeah, we're, you know, that's really frowned upon nowadays, Jeff, yeah. whooping, so the physical punishment of, of children. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Unless, Unless you're a public school that still uses corporal punishment. That, that can't possibly be true, is it? It is true, Jeff. According to the Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights, over 106,000 students received some form of corporal punishment at school, at a public school, um, in 2014, which is the most recent date that uh, this data is available. So it is happening. Whoopings are being had in public schools in um, certain areas. Now, uh, the number has declined over the years. Um, this is mostly in rural areas and states down south. And spoiler alert, black and disabled youth are most likely to receive 
corporal punishment. You don't say. I know. I was really, I was Shocking. stunned when I saw that. Shocking. Yeah. Couldn't Jeff, have seen it coming. Yeah, that's out of, <laughs> out of nowhere. Yes. Um, what's your reaction to this story? I mean, I'll be honest. When we first started talking about this story, my initial reaction was like, uh, you know, fake news. Like, this right. can't be real. Let's keep researching because there's like, it's, how could this be possible? Now, you know, I grew up uh, in Minnesota and, you know, the corporal punishment is not legal in public schools there. I came up as an educator in New York. Corporal punishment is certainly not legal there. Right. Uh, and now in, in Los Angeles, not legal here. So uh, maybe I'm just like outside of that culture and, and don't understand. But I was shocked that this is... Uh, that this is legal practice. Uh, so, so 19 states have legalized corporal punishment in public schools. 47 states have legalized corporal punishment in private schools, yep. right? Which is also bonkers. You would pay someone to, <laughs> to beat your children for you when you're not there. Uh, not that they don't do other things too, but uh, I mean, let's be real. Um, so, uh, and that the Supreme Court 40 years ago, a little over 40 years ago, mm -hmm. actually ruled that corporal punishment is, is not unconstitutional. So, mm -hmm. you know, apparently the Eighth Amendment doesn't necessarily have uh, much weight when it comes to, to school. Uh, so I was just shocked that this could be real. I, you know, I, yeah, it's 2018, <laughs> man. Like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, apparently we're whooping kids in, uh, yeah. in, in some of these states. And it, it turns out a lot of these areas... Um, where this is still happening, um, mostly down south. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite put my finger on it, mm. but there was something that happened down south regarding physical punishment of black bodies. I don't quite remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably Christopher it was, Columbus brought freedom and. It was and, way back. And all We're that. not supposed to. I mean, yeah. that's, that's. Back that's, when that's, George Washington yeah. freed the slaves. Yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Back then. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 crazy. It's wild to think that there's corporal punishment happening, and it's not surprising at all that it's uh, most often inflicted on black boys and uh, disabled youth. Yeah. Um, but apparently, a lot of parents still find it culturally acceptable to have their kids, you know, if your kid's acting up in class, to 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 get some sort of physical punishment from the teacher or the principal or what have you. So yeah. I mean, again, two Americas, I I can't fathom. Yeah, I think uh, to me, this definitely does boil down to, though, the idea that schools are an extension of the state. Public schools are. Right. And so, um, you know, even though we often have very communal feelings with our school, mm -hmm. schools are an agency and, a, and an extension of the state. And so um, if we're talking about administering corporal punishment in school, we are talking about the, the state administering physical punishment to children, um, mm -hmm. doing so with disproportionate impact to black students and students of IEPs. And I think, you know, especially in this day and age, the idea that, um, you know, school administrators, and, and I don't know the data on this being true in these 19 states and the schools mm -hmm. that do administer this punishment, but I know in general in this country, school administrators are more disproportionately male. Right. And I know um, also that deans or folks who serve in these disciplinary roles also tend to be disproportionately male. So it means we got a lot of dudes out there yep. putting their hands on, uh, on students female students, male students as well, but it just strikes me as there being uh, just so much potential for there to be abusive conduct of one form or another um, yeah. that is, you know, carried out under the guise of corporal punishment. And I just thought this is one of those bad ideas that got swept into the, the dustbin of history, but apparently not. 
Wild, man. It's wild. Yeah. All right. So third story. Jeff, what's the third term for today's lexicon? Well, our third term for today's lexicon, man, well, you'll be very pleased. Is, okay. uh, it, it's, very, it's good for you. It's nutrition. Oh, nice. Nutrition. That's, you know, fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Good stuff. Finally, a good positive yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except not at all. Uh, so one would think about those things when you think about nutrition. But we're talking about nutrition as in the, uh, the School Nutrition Association, which sounds like a lovely, civically engaged group of parents and, you yeah. know, retired grandparents who just want to do what's right. And like I love those. Grow, that's good. Grow kale in the community garden. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. But let me read to you some of the members of the School Nutrition Association uh, recently praised uh, by Donald Trump and the mm -hmm. Republican administration um, after the administration eased up uh, some Obama-era regulations mm -hmm. around things like salt, fat, and processed grains in food. But let me, let me read you the members. Um, it includes uh, folks like Domino's Pizza, PepsiCo, Kellogg's, Kraft Heinz Company, and others. Well, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound very nutritious at so, all, Jeff. So, man, well, what, what's going on here? I feel like I've been hoodwinked. School Nutrition Association does not sound very nutritious Ugh, at not all. Not so much. So they're happy that the Trump administration has rolled back some of those Obama-era guidelines regarding uh, school nutrition. And, you know, their spokesperson said that, you know, a lot of students are unhappy with their options. And this is a good move because it allows, uh, basically, it's responsive to, to student and family needs which is a bunch of BS because it's not really about what the students want. It's about what these big corporations want. And these big corporations mm. want to be able to provide food to schools and districts um, that comes out of the same plants that their, their other processed, highly unnutritious food comes out of. And it's a lot cheaper to do that um, if you don't have to differentiate based on nutritional guidelines. That's terrible because our youth, you know, statistics, statistics show that um, young people have a, a really serious problem with with weight and nutrition. And here we are making it easier for companies to get this not wholesome at all junk right in front of our kids to make make some money off them. Yeah. Yeah. So apart from the, the, the just sort of uh, naked corruption uh, right. <laughs> that's on display here, uh, I also think there's two very relevant to education and learning issues mm -hmm. that we need to think about here. So one is uh, this um, this article in the L.A. Times by David Lazarus, um, which, uh, you know, which kind of broke this news recently. Uh, one in five young people in this country is considered to be obese at this point, right? So that's a staggering figure. Um, and we know that has all kinds of adverse long-term health uh, con uh, prognoses for, right. for these young folks. Um, secondly, these are kids who are in school, right? Um, childhood obesity has uh, social and emotional consequences on kids' development, and also um, poor nutrition has huge learning consequences. So you're a teacher, I've yeah. been in the classroom, I'm still in schools on a very regular basis, and I, you know, and I know the difference between a kid who comes to school having had, you know, Pepsi and hot Cheetos uh, versus a kid who's come to school and had, you know, a balanced meal. Right. right. And so um, any parent out there or aunt or uncle out there or someone who's been a babysitter out there knows the difference between kids who've just eaten a big stack of Halloween candy and kids who had like an apple for a right. snack. Right? right. Like this is not a complicated science. Like these things 
have impacts on students' ability to learn, their ability to function normal socially, the ability to regulate their behavior, all kinds of stuff that um, I, I, I don't see how this can have a positive impact on learning. And my strong suspicion is this is going to have a decidedly negative impact on learning for most kids. So, um, you know, hmm. interesting story on a lot of levels, but, um, uh, you know, it makes me concerned for our, for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Obamas were trying to tell us what to eat, Jeff. And now here we are. Trump is letting <laughs> us know we don't have to go with that anymore. So these companies... Green light. Yeah. Wow. Re Reagan took the solar panels off the roof and uh, Trump, Trump <laughs> put the, uh, the salt and sugar back in the lunch. Man. Yeah. All right, folks. So that about does it for today's Do Now. And up next, we have part two of a discussion that began um, in episode four, where we brought students into a school library to, to hear from them and their perspectives on uh, various issues. And today, these students are going to tell us a little bit about their uh, perspective of being students at a, at a time when going to college is sort of the expected norm. And they're going to talk about the, the pressures to go to college and, and just the, the whole uh, navigational aspect of it. So stay tuned for that. Now it's time for today's seminar. As you can see, I am not Jeff and I am not Rustin. My name is Nadia Ahuari. You may recognize me from another episode um, where I talked about challenging white supremacy within curriculums, within schools. Here I am again, uh, moderating a really, really powerful discussion with some really dope high school seniors. Many of us educators and policymakers have so much to say around schools and education, but it's so essential to have students' voices at the center of these topics and the centers of, of these issues. Um, with that, let's begin with some intros. Um, if you can just start off. Hi, I'm Leela. I'm Reggie. Hi, I'm Emily. I'm Trey. I'm Brandon. Hi, I'm Kelsey. All right, and our first question is just, how do y'all feel um, about the idea that you're supposed to go to college after you graduate? Um, I believe that college, the pursuit college of college or just attending a college degree is a great foundation um, just to set up your life, you know, your, just to be stable, you know, getting a steady check and stuff like that. I disagree with that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I know a lot of college students who graduated, who have a college degree, mm -hmm. who haven't really um, done, like, haven't had the chance to even, the opportunity to even uh, do what they have their degree in. And there's been a lot of times where kids fell out of college and then they have debt and then they don't have anything to show for it. I don't know, for me, uh, out of high school, I think I'm gonna go to the uh, military for a couple of reasons. One, I, I steady paycheck, um, job security, and just a lot of reasons why uh, college is not for me. And I feel like that's looked down upon in a uh, school. Yeah. Like they push college so hard that we, even when you say you wanna go a different route and you know a lot about that route, they get mad and they kind of deter you from it and they keep giving you reasons on why you shouldn't go there. And I feel like that's, that's, not, that's not how the school should be. They, if that's what you want to do, they should help you as much as they can in that way to get, to get where you uh, want to go. Yeah, uh, to hop on that subject, um, like I, I don't want to go to college uh, for the reason because the school I want to go to is not really a normal school. It's a more an art school, just like Emily. She's an artist herself. And um, I want to go to the school because like, that's just what I'm, I don't want to work a nine to five because school already feels like a nine to five to me. 
So I just don't want to go and like sit there and like think for the rest of the day, like why am I doing this job when I could be doing something better, when I could be doing something that I actually love. So it's like, I'm not gonna just sit here and waste my time in a class while someone's reading to me off of something they wrote. For, and then they, like, cause professors, some of them don't even really know how to teach. Aren't they? Uh, they're not teachers. Yeah, they're just like, they read off of like stuff they wrote. After what Trey says, like I'm personally an artist. Like ever since I was four, I knew I was gonna, I wanted to be an artist. And when I bring that up, even as an elementary like kid, a lot of teachers would be like, "Oh, that's not a real job. Just tell me that straight up." Or painting's not a real job. And then like middle school, I had, I didn't really think about that much as a career because I was told over and over again it wasn't a job until high school. I realized that's 100% what I want to do. And then I wasn't even planning on going to college because I thought college was just gonna be telling me the same stuff until I discovered art college. And um, that's where that's a school where like I don't have to take science classes and math courses, and I could just focus 100% on my craft. And then when I started coming out, I was like, yeah, I want to go down the art college route. I was getting so much like like zero support from like some staff, or like saying like, oh, that's not a real college. You shouldn't do that. You need to go get a real degree. And you know, it kind of went back to my parents' relationship. Is like same thing. They they like for a while they they thought it wasn't a good route until like, I showed up 100%. That's what I'm committed to. But even today, when I'm applying. Um, it's really hard to get help. I have to do a lot of things myself. I have to do a lot of like internet research and how to do it myself. I have to go out of my way to like talk to people how to get art college. Because like when I go to the career center here, or I try to talk to my like counselor, not my counselor, like my school counselor, or one of my other academic counselors, she would always persuade me like, why don't you just go to UC or Cal, like Cal State LA? Because your grades are great. Like you might as well just use what your grades have. But like, just because my grades are good, like I don't, I don't want to let that define. I want to be an artist. Like that's hundred percent. I feel like they want you to go the safe route of college. Mm -hmm. Like they they don't want you to take the risk of being an artist because uh, who knows what you're gonna do. They don't. They want to send you on the route that they know, the route that they've been taught to tell you, which mm -hmm. is go to college, collect debt, graduate, and maybe get a job. And isn't it weird how it's like normal to like laugh? Oh yeah, I can't wait to be a broke college student because everyone's like so used to like saying that. But that's like a really toxic stigma around it. Like yeah. saying, oh, I'm not gonna eat for a couple of days because I gotta get these books. Like why is that even an option? Like I know kids in college right now. Like she wasn't eating for a while. Like she would she lost her swipes for her uh, food to go to the cafeteria, mm -hmm. and she just didn't even bring it up to me for a while. And I was just like, how long has this been? She's like, oh, like two weeks. So two weeks she wasn't getting like a full meal. She got to like hustle herself to get a meal. That's like so crazy to me because she's in a great university but like she wasn't eating. So that entire thing just blew my mind. Well, and that could lead to a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. um, this misconception of college, pursuing college will be dead. Um, I personally believe that if you of course apply to scholarships grants, if you're in a situation where you can get money, of course go to college. But my thing is like if everybody says, well, like, well, people always tell us, like, oh, okay, go to college, it's secure, it's a safe route, right? Well, I understand that that you may not want to pursue college, but and I understand it's not for everyone. But I'm just saying, in terms of networking with people and finding opportunities to um to be able to up your livelihood and you know just be secure and have a foundation of living, then why not do it? I feel like you can network anywhere you can go. And I just feel like a lot of teachers think that's like the picture perfect life that you have to go by. Like, you come to school for how many years, you stay in school 
and then you go to school again, again. after you leave high school, which and is broke. like the bare minimum. And then you're over here struggling for food, struggling to get money, to stay healthy, let alone. And you don't even get anything out of it. You just get a piece of paper and if that paper can't decide if that's not going to be like, oh, I'm definitely going to get a job after this just to pay off these student loans. Then I can live after that. Like then I can actually want like travel or do what I actually want to do. And it's saving my money else. to retire. Yeah. Like that was that just the end goal of the American dream is just to like stay broke, stay broke, save your money up, then retire and just be just finally that's when you get to like rest. It's like when I'm 65, I have my money I can like set. But then again, I'm 65. What am I going to do? Like, like yeah. that's just like waiting. That's what I think so you take the you took the safe route. Then when you are 65, you're like, damn. That was my dream, and I didn't do it. I went to college. Yeah, now I'm out of Yeah, that's why like, all that time and money that you just wasted, like, you can never get your time back. Like, that's one thing mm -hmm. you can just always... Time waits for no man. Yeah. So, in my own experience, um, I definitely understand what you're saying, Reggie, and I understand what all of you are saying. I would say college, to me, is also the experience. So, besides money, besides all of that, like, it's also, like... A time in your life you're probably 18 when you graduate and you head to somewhere that you can get an experience to grow to find yourself whatever that you choose to do with that um so i would i would like agree with reggie and kind of like push back on some of the points on like well there's a different perspective to it it might not be a waste of time you know mine was like me getting out the hood and going to experience something new six hours away from home yeah like so, i, so I want to do that too because it's like Ever since, like, when I was a little girl, like, my parents always pushed, like, Leela education is the way to, like, make it out. So I always tried my best in school. So, like, kind of the closer I am to, like, finishing my college, as I am kind of viewing college as a scam because of, like, being in debt. But at the same time, it's like, I want to take this opportunity that I have to continue my education. So, like, yeah, I agree with Reggie. Like, I'm going to network to try to find these scholarships to kind of alleviate myself this stress for debt. And I'm learning from like my siblings' mistakes or the way like they that they took like with education and how much like they struggled. But then like I also have a brother who just went straight out of um, high school to the military, and so did my dad. So I'm using like that like how Brandon he wants to go just like straight to the military. That's my backup plan. Like if this don't work out, I'm gonna fall back like on the Air Force or like going into the Navy. Like, but I at least want to try the education route. And if it's not for me, it's not for me. And I, at least I have something to fall back on. Right. My thing is just like, through, through a higher education, if you attain that, no one can take that away from you. Mm. They can take away everything that you have, anything that you own, but they cannot take away your education of what you learned and what you can do to apply that to your daily life. So like Nadia said, like it's not just getting the degree and you know all this other stuff, but like through the experience, you know, you find yourself in situations where you can apply some of that studies and you know philosophy and all these. Um, perspectives into real life. I just, I feel personally like it's not the only way you can experience like new mm -hmm. surroundings. Like, yeah, most of the time when you grow up in a public school area and you go to a public school, you grow up with the same people. You go to the same school like for years on end with the same people. You go four years to somebody in high school and you stay in that route. Like you stay with these people, you know these people, you're comfortable with these people. And once you go into college, you, you just get hit with culture and you get hit with all these new experiences that you've never had before. And yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just feel like you could find it in a lot of places and not just a college or going to school. I feel like a lot of people always find their way going back to education because there are like, have to, though. yeah, like cause the way society is set up, like 
they just they kind of want that like um, that self achievement in a way because there are like a bunch of paths that you could take coming out of high school. You don't have to go straight to college. You don't have to go straight to the military. You could travel the world and just like bounce from city to city. But I feel like, but, that's like down on if you don't go to college. Yeah, yeah but it's like as long as like you do get a, you try to apply for a job and you're with someone who does have just an associate's degree, they're gonna look that much better because they did, they took the traditional route, they went to college. Yeah, and it's like, so I feel like everybody in a way, like no matter like how long it takes you, they always end up going back to college because like for my dad, he's finally decided to go to college. The man's like 52, but he finally decided, he was like, if my daughters could go, I want to like make them proud in a sense. I'm gonna go back because I'm gonna see how better their future is gonna be. So I feel like no matter what route you take, at the end of the day, you're probably most likely gonna end up turning back to getting education just because of the way society's set up and just to keep up with everybody else because it's a race and you want to be able to have the same thing that other people have. But if you're happy with yourself and if you're happy in where you're at in life, then don't worry about getting education. If you're happy with like the choices that you made, then you good, then you're set. Cause at the end of the day, you're living with yourself. You're with yourself. If you're okay with yourself, then you won at the game of life. Mm -hmm. But like, Trey, you know, like our biggest frustration though is like, if we don't go to college, we're deemed as a failure. We're deemed yeah. as like, oh, you're a bum. Like you're not gonna yeah. make it out in life. And like the, the support you had growing like as a senior is like, oh yeah, you guys are going, but once you like say that, I'm not college bound. You kind of notice the way people treat you differently. It's yeah, like, people they look at you differently. And it's not even just like teachers, it's like your friends and like family members too. So that's why we, we got to kind of keep this to ourselves. Like, you know what our college is like, it's still not like a real thing. So right. I'm, I'm just saying I want to go to art college, honestly, but I don't think it's that serious to me because as an artist, I feel like I can make it like a different routes. But like, it's frustrating because I have to say I got to go to art college. I got to show people that, yeah, I'm applying to. But in my mind, it's not that big of a deal for me. School. I mean, even though after all I say, school should still push, like, the yeah. school should push college. Definitely. It is, it is a traditional route. It is the route that will probably help you in the long run, mm -hmm. say, if you don't if you don't know what you're going to do. For a lot of the kids who uh, are going to go to college, like, they, why not just push that? Like, I had something to say. Um, like, my dad, he went to college. Um, he went, like, he went to two good colleges. And um, he, he, like did business and like he had something to show for it. He's doing really good right now and stuff like that. I for sure don't want to get into business like that, like how he's doing business. Like business is cool, but I want to more like, because everything in life is a challenge, everything. Like even if you do like get a degree in like writing, like book writing, you're gonna have to count, like you're gonna have to like do really good. You're challenging yourself every day and like everything is like, it's a competition really. That's what I meant to say. Cause like with me and Emily, oh, we're artists, blah, blah, blah. People are also gonna wanna have your job. People are gonna wanna have your job, your job, your job. Everyone's gonna want a job, just in general. Mm -hmm. So might as well just go go full out for the job that you really want instead of just going for a job that someone else is trying to get that they might love. So it's like, all right, you can have that job. I'm gonna go try to go for my job mm -hmm. that I love. Something we're passionate cause, about. Cause I wanna live the rest of my life knowing that I'm happy with the job that I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely hear all of your points on like schools kind of pushing different options. So if, whether it's the military, whether it's art school, whether it's like um, career tech programs, whether it's like cooking, all of those different things, like I think schools for sure need to push 
more than just college because I do agree with all of you that if you don't pursue college, that traditional route, that oftentimes you feel stigmatized. You feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. There we go. Or I'm like, I'm not worthy of their time right now because it's college app season. And that's what they um, do. They push you to the side. Like, uh, there's been a couple of times where I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how I can join the Navy. They were like, well, we got to deal with the kids who are going to college. Well, well, damn, I'm still a student. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to get my education. I'm trying to get out of here, too. Mm-hmm. And that's like, they kind of just push you to the side and, and you're just there for yourself. Yeah, and I think even as like a high school counselor, I'm taking notes right now, like, oh, what do I need to learn right now? Um, and how I'm pushing college on students. And what else, what are my other alternatives that I can um, help students with other options? Um, so yeah, all of you had really like really good points on you know, post-secondary options, not just being college, not just being higher education. And then for folks who do want to go to college, like Reggie, I know you were pushing for college, like definitely feel you on that. Um, And thank you all for your input and I appreciate you all and value your time being here. Um, And that concludes our segment for today. Thank you so much to our seniors. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Jeff. We brought students on the show to give us their take, and they had a lot to say. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I agree with everything that, that they shared about their perceptions of college and the importance of going to college and what have you. But, you know, when I was a teenager, I had some very similar views to, to what they expressed. But, you know, in, over time, and especially working in education, my views have, of course, evolved uh, quite a bit. And we actually addressed this issue of college access yeah. back in episode three from season one. And we dove into the research, and we brought two... Uh, experts on this on this topic onto the show. So go back to episode three, season one, to uh, learn more about college access and, and, and where we stand on it. But for now, it's time for Class Dismissed, which is a, a segment where we shout out people doing great work in education. Jeff, what do we have today? Well, Manuel, I'm excited because we have, I think, a, a, an unlikely hero uh, in education to shout out today, that being the legendary heavy metal band Metallica. Right? Yeah, okay. Who would have thought? So it turns out in, uh, at the very end of 2018, Metallica, um, through their foundation called All Within My Hands, um, gave out 10 $100,000 gifts to 10 different community colleges across the country. Um, now, these were community colleges that were uh, right along or right near uh, stops on their most recent tour. And uh, these community colleges represent a broad swath of America. So we're talking about um, the community college of Baltimore uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, and also places like um, North Idaho College, which oh, is yeah. in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. That's kind of northwestern Idaho, not too far away from the Spokane, Washington area, right? So um, gifts given out across the country, and community colleges often don't get a lot of love, right? Um, people kind of sometimes look down upon them, or we, you know, we treat them as sort of the, the stepchildren right. of our higher education system. And you know, those politics aside, community colleges um, across the country and And these 10 that Metallica gave to uh, are some of the most diverse higher education institutions in our country. 
They serve um, you know, immigrant populations. They serve working adults. They serve first-generation students. They serve a lot of our low-income communities. They serve folks who maybe, um, you know, because of economic changes, have had to get second careers and go back and get additional training. So they fulfill a very important role in our system of education. And it's great to see, um, you know, even from perhaps an unlikely source, uh, you know, some investment and some shining of a light on uh, some, some of the great institutions of, of higher ed across our country and, and, and among the ranks of our community colleges. So shout out to Metallica. Uh, appreciate the love to our community colleges and, you know, keep, keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Metallica. All right. Yeah. All right, folks. So that about does it for this episode of All of the Above. Now, remember to look underneath this video in the About section. We have links to all of our different sites and links to our podcast for those of you that want to listen to the next episode on the go. And if you haven't already, please remember to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of our upcoming videos. And thank you very much. We'll see you next time.